Good morning, evening, or good night, beautiful human beings throughout the world. My name is Mason, and I am your host and Dungeon Master. Welcome to the first episode of the wild experiment known as Luncheons and Flagons. We're so happy to have you. I am joined by my friends Abby, Danny, Sterling, and Beth, and we are thoroughly excited to play some Dungeons and Dragons, make each other laugh, and generally have a lot of fun. However, before we dive straight into the beautiful madness of Dungeons & Dragons, we do want to explain a little bit of how the game functions for the sake of those listening who have never had the privilege of playing D&D or are really new to the game. For those of you more experienced, feel free to skip ahead a minute or two. You shouldn't miss anything. For everyone else, or for experienced people that decided to stick around as well, um, welcome to Dungeons & Dragons. D&D is a cooperative storytelling game. Um, I like to say that it combines aspects of storytelling, team sports, acting, if if you like that stuff, and gambling or board games, depending on which one you feel better about endorsing. Um, There are no real winners or losers in Dungeons & Dragons. The only two goals are to have fun and tell a great story together. Everything else... Any other rule should only help the players fulfill these two goals. There are, in Dungeons & Dragons, two different kinds of people, uh, the Dungeon Master and the players. Each player takes on the role of a character they created and is in charge of representing and acting for said character. The Dungeon Master, meanwhile, represents the world around the player's characters and acts on behalf of that world. So if the players are fighting a horde of goblins, maybe, the dungeon master rolls for and speaks for said goblins. If the players walk down a road, the dungeon master describes the scenery and generally establishes the setting so the players can act in said setting. Finally, the aspect of Dungeons & Dragons that separates it from like regular storytelling around a campfire or something like that is the element of chance included in it. This element of chance is represented by the, the rolls of the dice that we make during the course of the game. Uh, so many dice. So many dice. <laughs> so many dice. I've got, like, what, 20 dice sitting in front of me right now? It's, it's a lot. It's a lot of dice. And you don't need to know what all of them are for at this point, um, but just for your sake of understanding... Um, Whenever anyone tries to do something difficult, something that requires skill or strength or something of that sort, um, they have to roll dice. Uh, Depending on their result and the difficulty of the task, the dice roll tells them whether or not the character succeeds. This gives players and the dungeon master the opportunity to improvise on the fly and triumph in like really tense moments. Let's say your whole crew is on the brink of death and your knight's strike with a great sword is all that will save them. In that moment, a roll of the dice makes all the difference. Alternatively, let's say your ninja wants to flip up onto a roof or like your sweet-talking rogue wants to con some poor soul. Looking at Danny over here. Um, A flubbed roll puts you in a possibly tense and super exciting moment of the story or could even lead to a really embarrassing failure that gets the whole room laughing. Um, that's, I think that's important to understand. Like, when people don't succeed at what they're trying to do at Dungeons and Dragons, that's not, like, that's, that's usually not the worst thing. Mm-mm. Yeah. It can be really funny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and funny for everyone involved, right? Not laughing at anyone's expense. Um, anyway, so that's the general idea of Dungeons and Dragons. If, if none of that made sense, if I said that way too fast, don't worry about it. 
Uh, we'll post many episodes each week explaining important parts of the rules, and you can listen to those if you want. Um, either way, in our experience, it's best to jump into the thick of it. Like, Danny, this is like, what, your third time playing? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm relatively new to it still. So. Yeah, yeah. This is Danny's like third time playing. You, you just gotta, you gotta take the dive. So, without further ado, let's get started. I'm down. Great. Um, our story begins in a magical world filled with diverse ecosystems and mythical creatures of every kind. Off to the distant north is the barren wasteland of Sazen, divided from the jungles of Erlin by the Dustdown Mountains. At night, the old men of Sazen pine for Erlin, and on school breaks, the wealthier folk take trips down there. The kids play on the beach while their parents drink the renowned mojitos of the region. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but our story has nothing to do with Saison or Erlin. Sorry for the misguidance there. And only a little bit to do <clears throat> with the Dustdown Mountains. And only anything to do with mojitos if you happen to be drinking one right now. In which case, if you are... Uh, Drink responsibly, I guess. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, our story of daily minutia and everyday struggles begins in the quiet, mellow, relaxed, peaceful kingdom of Xanax. Mm. Off in the east. Yeah. For those people listening at home, that's Xanax with a Z. Or, if you prefer, the esteemed royal municipality of the lovely people of Xanax. I don't prefer that, so I'm just going to call it Xanax. Same. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, who does? Within the kingdom of Xanax, there are a number of towns, villages, and cities. But this story begins in the humble town of Brackenby. Known for its crusty pretzels and uh, for its founder, Dale Brackenbeard. Uh, who had a very large beard that was just about as crusty as the pretzels the town is famous for. Oh. Yeah, it's a great place. Um, unique, and for whatever reason, Brackenbeard really attracts lots of trouble. Um, whether it be snaggletooth goblins coming through and stealing people's chickens, or uh, large wargs, uh, weird, evil, orc-like wolf creatures uh, coming through and eating your horse, or just generally endangerment of livestock is a real problem in Brackenbeard. Um, also, there was the flu season last year that got out of control, but that's not supernatural. That's just health problems. Um, the reason that our story begins today is because today is the founding of the Brackenbeard branch of the Blowen and Brothers Extermination Company. Um, the Blowin' and Brothers Extermination Company is a recent startup company. Um, their tagline is, we kill things you can't. Um, or maybe won't, is probably the more apt description, but the Blowin' and Brothers are very insistent that they kill th things other people can't. It's good for marketing. Um, today, the Brackenbeard branch is being established and portrayed to the members of the town of Brackenbeard in a public announcement. Um, it's quite the to-do. Brackenbeard, being a fairly small town, hasn't had uh, really a reason for people to gather since the last pretzel festival, which was about three years ago. Um, they haven't had another one since because the festival burned down. It was something about 
uh, the crust in the pretzels lighting on fire. Um, but whatever the case, the people of the town are excited to get together today uh, to witness the establishment of this new uh, company in town. They're hopeful that maybe it'll introduce some new business. Um, and at the very least, they're curious to see what types of individuals are hopefully going to be killing those goblins uh, in the hills to the northeast and, you know, uh, taking care of the poltergeists down south and uh, also maybe uh, going after the, the wild feral gnomes uh, to the northwest. Just generally, they've got a lot of problems and they're excited to see who's going to solve them. And so they come together. Uh, the press conference itself looks fairly similar. Uh, two press conferences that we're used to, except instead of rows of chairs and news reporters, it's uh, rows of tables with mead on them because it's a fantasy land and I guess people drink mead. Um, and instead of esteemed reporters and, uh, you know, newscasters and things of the sort, there are various hillbillies and odd people because generally that's the type of folk that live in Brackenbeard. Um, and standing before them all is Blowen himself, the founder of Blowen and Brothers Extermination Company. Um, Blowen is a stout dwarf, um, standing at about four feet tall. Um, looks like he probably weighs a solid 300 pounds. Um, some of which is muscle and some of which is whatever else. Uh, he has a very large beard that may contribute about 10 pounds to uh, his weight, uh, specifically a very large uh, red beard. Um, Blowen stands before the gathered company and begins the address that he prepared. People of Brackenbeard, my name is Blowen, and I am the founder of Blowen Them Brothers Extermination Company. Uh, at this, the people in the audience and also uh, the characters that will be following throughout this tale uh, notice a number of the administrators on the stand shift at the claim that Blowen is the founder, but nevertheless, Blowen continues. Um, I have come before you this day because my colleagues and I have noticed that there is a distinct lack of protection in the region from the dangers of this world, whether they be the flu, which, I mean, sorry, we're not qualified to take care of that, or goblins, which we are qualified to take care of. Um, we have come and established this branch in the hopes that they will protect you and that you will protect them, namely with your coin. Uh, we look forward to future business and are excited at the prospect of excellent servitude one with another. <laughs> There's a small, small smattering of applause because people don't really know what to do with themselves in response to this weird-looking dwarf who talks with a really weird lisp. Um, uh, nevertheless, um, at this point, Blowen uh, frowns a little bit at how slight the applause was, uh, but presses on anyways because he, despite being 
a bit of a blowhard is a professional. Um, anyways, uh, I will now turn the time over to my brother, Towin, uh, who is our public relations official. He will uh, lead any questions that are had and will introduce the exterminators that will be the foundation of our new branch. Over to you, Towin. Towin gets up, and first thing that anyone in the area notices is that uh, Towin's a very large orc. Um, and Blowing claimed that Towin is his brother. Uh, for those of you not familiar to Dungeons & Dragons, uh, unless they're adopted, it doesn't really work that way. But Blowing and Brothers insist that it's a family business. Um, Towin steps up to the uh, podium and begins his own part of the dress. Uh, hello, um, my name is Towin, and I am here to field any questions, but before we get to that, there will be a brief introduction of the exterminators that will be the foundational aspect of this branch of Blowin and Brothers Extermination Company. First, on the far left, we have Miss Cora Highhill. Cora, will you please stand? She stands and waves to the crowd with a smile. <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks, Abby. Um, Abby, will you go ahead and uh, describe Cora for us? Yeah, sure. Uh, Cora is a halfling. Uh, so basically, for those of you who don't know Dungeons and Dragons, a halfling is their equivalent of a hobbit. Um, she is two foot eleven inches, and she is, she has hazel eyes, and she has freckles all over her face and red hair, and she is thirty nine pounds. But none of y'all need to know that. <laughs> Great, thanks. Um, as Cora stands, um, Towen nods to her and proceeds to say, Ms. Highhill is from Teppendoe originally, um, but she made her way out here recently with her mentor. Uh, she is a recently graduated independent wizard and is capable of spells beyond our wild, wildest dreams. Um, her mentor was old Greybeard McGee, uh, who is a respected wizard in his field. Um, she has joined on with us in the hopes of uh, doing great service to your community, and also because she needs to pay rent. Thank you, Miss Highhill. She sits down <laughs> a little confused, like, this isn't that what I told the <laughs> Okay. Spin doctors do what spin doctors do, kids. Um, next up, uh, next up, Toan gestures toward the second individual in line, who is also fairly short and maybe diminutive in size, um, and says, next is our esteemed bard. Mr. Clumpin, your garden. Clumpin stands up and begins 
waving his beard fondly at the crowd. Like a handkerchief? Yeah. That's great. Just like that. That's great. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Uh, Danny, could you go ahead and describe Clump for us? For sure. So Clump, short for Clump in your garden, is a gnome, a forest gnome uh, specifically. He's quite small. Um, he's got tanned, kind of lightish skin, green eyes, dark brown hair, um, and always a smirk on his face. Great. Thanks. That's an awesome description. Uh, for those of you who don't know Dungeons and & Dragons and are thinking the gnomes in your great-grandmother's garden, uh, you're pretty much correct. Gnomes are small creatures that live in forests and are close with animals, generally speaking. Um, unless, of course, they're from underground and then they're a whole different breed. But that doesn't apply to Clump, so it doesn't matter. Uh, Toen motions to Clump and says, As you can see, Mr. Yurgarden is a very intelligent and capable individual. Um, uh, for the record, also it should be noted, uh, Blowin' and Brothers has dressed up all exterminators in prime armor. Uh, this stuff is gilded with gold. Um, it is fairly heavy duty, has the official Blowin' and Brothers logo on the front of it, which is a flagon with a B and a B on it, uh, because Blowin' and Brothers are very proud of the fact that they won the Extermination Company Convention drinking contest 10 years ago, and they've just never let go of that pride, um, so that's why it's a flagon. Um, so they have the flagons, they have gleaming swords, in the case of, uh, in the case of Cora Highhill, she is bearing a staff yeah. with a blue shimmering crystal at the top of it. Um, just generally, every individual is dressed to the nines at the cost of the company today. Um, Toen continues to say, uh, after touring for some time in a renowned musical group, Mr. Your Garden <coughs> uh, has chosen instead to seek a more altruistic path and has chosen to serve the community exterminating those ills that would cause it harm otherwise um, he also hopes to one day uh, become part of our HR department which currently is still in the works um, and thereby serve not only people of the world, but also specifically the people of Blowen and Brothers through taking care of firing people and tax cuts and promotions. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and then <laughs> sits down slowly. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, <coughs> looks to Clump and says, Please, no comments from the exterminators. But this being said, I do have to say, no, thank you, Mr. Hirgard. Clump points at Owen. 
and <laughs> rocks fist back and forth in a, in a sign of camaraderie. Torin nods, which is about the most emotive motion you've seen him make thus far, and then looks back to the audience and says, Thirdly, we have our largest exterminator, a formidable individual. Um, if she would please stand. Um, and he gestures toward Myra Norix, also known as Red. Uh, Beth, if you could go ahead and describe Myra for us. Of course. So Red is a dragonborn, which means that she basically looks like a dragon, but on two feet and human-sized. She has uh, scarlet scales and claws, though she doesn't use them for attacks or anything. And as in the tendency of, of dragonborn, she does breathe fire, but only occasionally she tries to keep that under wraps. Um, she is a whopping six foot eight, and I feel like when she stands up, she probably like pushes the chair over a little bit and catches it really quick, and I'm like, oh crap, okay, got it, did it, good, <laughs> didn't mess that up. And then stands and kind of like sheepishly waves to the crowd, like she's, she's holding herself a little shy, which is probably surprising to see a six foot eight person do that. Great, great, thank you. Um, <coughs> when the chair starts to tip, Tone's eyes go a little wide, but then she catches it and he relaxes again, turns back to the audience. Ms. Norix is from the esteemed abbey located at Pelican Place, province, parish. And was responsible for saving said place, province, parish from a devastating fire recently uh, that was started by an unknown arsonist. Um, Ms. Norix, who is apparently known to her friends as he turns to you and says, Blue? No, no, it's red. Known to her friends as Red, um, is a devout servant of her god and also a devout justice bringer, do gooder, and right liver. As in, she lives righteously, for those of you who <laughs> may not have understood that particular phrase. <coughs> Bless you. <laughs> Toen re recomposes himself. She is a formidable fighter, as you can see from her fearsome visage. And will surely strike fear into those that would do bracken beard any harm. I think, if I may at this point, Red probably like is blushing really hard. Like her face scales are probably like even darker red. And she just kind of like waves really shamelessly at the audience like, yep, that's me. <laughs> A small, very ugly dwarf child. Oh gosh. <laughs> 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 On the front row. <laughs> who is currently working his way through the second thing of me, oh, gosh. looks up at you when you wave sheepishly, and with like oh. the mead dribbling down its chin, 
You can't tell what gender this thing is. Oh, gosh. No idea. It looks up and waves. She puts her hand right down. She's like, never mind. The child smiles and oh, just no. keeps waving. Oh, no. um, anyways, uh, Toen at this point says, thank you, Miss uh, Norris. You may take your seat. She sits down. Excellent. Um, last, but never least, is our formidable sorcerer, Dench. Dench, what's your last name again? Brokefane. Dench. <laughs> Brokefane. Mr. Brokefane, your esteemed powerfulness, will you please stand? Dench stands up. Um, Dench is a half-orc. So think Toen, but smaller. Because Toen's an orc, right? Mm, yeah. yeah. So Toen, but smaller. What color, what color of skin is He's got blue-gray skin. Okay. And green eyes. He's 5'7", 220 pounds, with long black hair. Um, he kind of is picking at his clothes because he's not used to wearing nice clothes. Uh, we'll explain more later, I'm sure. <laughs> but, but that's basically he's up there fidgeting with his clothing. Um, and that's, that's Dench. So. Excellent, excellent. Um... At this point, Toen, seeing him picking at this, will say, um, Mr. Brokefane, please do not, please do not do that to comfort me improperly. He will struggle to put his hands to his side, and, uh, but so he'll, his body will keep twitching, but he won't be itching any of the clothing anymore. So he's just standing there with his hands at his side and just like his shoulders are like shaking a little bit. And Toen watches him for like a <laughs> solid three seconds. <laughs> Thank you for that. Okay. <laughs> um, at this point, Toen turns back to the audience and says. Mr. Brokefane became a well with magic springing forth at a very young age when he was given a cup of tea made from various precious stones by a strange old man. Um, disclaimer to the audience and to any for me. We at Blowing Brothers do not condone drinking liquids given you by strangers. However, on this blessed occasion, such a foolish action brought forth great things as Mr. Brokefane is now capable of working miracles with magic that us mere mortals are not capable of. Mr. Brokefang lost his broken tusk in the great war of upside down glen and has since walked through the land seeking those who have the power to restore his fame to his face before joining blowing and brothers um 
Mr. Brofane was also the proprietary owner of a sewer rat and gin selling company that was disgracefully shut down by those who wished him ill in the city of Peppercorn. May sad days come upon them. <laughs> Anyways, he will certainly be a bringer of magical miracles of a fearsome sort to the dangers surrounding Brackenbeard. Thank you, Mr. Brokefane. I'm just going to sit down because I'm, I'm just twitching. Lots of twitching. After, after that's done, Tone says to the audience, if there are any questions, we will field them now. One individual at the very, very back of the congregation stands, very frail, skinny old man, yeah. arms about the, the same width as an average human being's bones. He is, he is a human man, I should specify, because this is a magical world <coughs> with all sorts of races and types. Um, and the man stands in the back wearing a uh, weird battered brown hat that has a hole ripped in it, uh, sporting a beard of varying colors. At some points it seems like it's gray, at other points it seems to fade into brown, and toward the tip it is most certainly a charred black. Uh, he stands with a broken toothed <coughs> smile would that be broken teeth? Whichever one it is, that's what it is. Um, a broken toothed or teethed smile. And says, Howdy! <laughs> Can you keep this one up? <laughs> yeah, it's just your guys' reactions. That's the best part. <laughs> My name is Mr. Tippett. <laughs> <Woo! laughs> I can't look at him while he does this yeah. voice. <laughs> My name is Mr. Tippett. And I am the owner of the Tippett's Rant that has been getting attacked by them there <laughs> goblins y'all be talking about. Um, <laughs> Toen at the very front, first like looking at Toen, his eyes are like really wide <laughs> looking at this guy as if he just doesn't know what to make of him. Um, and says, uh, yes. Mr. Tippett, we have heard of your goblin infestation. In fact, it was part of the reason we decided to send this particular branch and these exterminators here. Uh, what might your question be? At which point, Mr. Tippett says, I was just wondering how much money 
These exterminators will be cast in the city of Brackenville. Since I will be one of the customers, y'all be paying. Or rather, I suppose I would be paying you since I, you know, am a customer. Um, at this point, Toen, before Mr. Tibbetts can continue, says, uh, <clears throat> yes, uh, that is a great question. Uh, one that our, um, chief financial officer, Soen, my brother, could answer for you, uh, if you will, but give him a moment. Um, Soen is short. Please come forth. At which point, um, an individual you had not hitherto noticed stands up and comes toward the front. Um, the reason you hadn't noticed this particular individual is because Soen was sitting behind Blowen, and the size discrepancy between these two definitely makes any sort of hereditary relation impossible. Um, Soen is a deep gnome. Uh, which, for those of you who don't know anything about Dungeons & Dragons, deep gnomes are gnomes from the very, very deep recesses of the world, deep in the caverns. Uh, since he is a deep gnome, uh, someone has dark gray skin, uh, the color of um, graphite, kind of. Um, and uh, in opposition to the dark gray skin, unusually, he has uh, vibrant purple eyes, like, uh, we're talking like amethyst, um, and is wearing some very glossy, nice-looking, vibrant purple robes. Um, um, and, uh, the vibrant purple robes are trimmed with gold. Uh, the reason, someone is standing at about three feet. Um, and looks like he's probably a quarter of Blowen's weight. Um, and, uh, upon reaching the podium is unable to see over the top, and so you hear a scraping sound of wood as, uh, Soen pulls this, like, small footstool out of the bottom of the podium and steps up onto it so that he is now eye-level with the podium. And at that point, puts his hands up to the top of the podium, so he's like some small cat peering over the <laughs> the lip of a bed or something like that. And uh, at that point, says, <clears throat> "Yes, <laughs> my name is Soen, and I will now establish the financial proceedings of." this branch. He pulls a stack of papers out of nowhere, seemingly, just like whips them out of nowhere, and thuds them onto the top of the podium so that now his eyes are blocked from the audience by this stack of papers. Um, and he proceeds to lift one of them up, look at it, scan it over. Ah, here we are. Anyways, um... This paper here establishes that in the case of any loot discovered in the course of any extermination, 
that loot goes directly to the property of Blowen and Brothers Extermination Company. Furthermore, uh, in the case that no um, loot is found, there will be a compensationary cost covered by the individual who submitted the order for work to be done. Depending on the damages done to Blowen and Brothers uh, Extermination Company, that amount will vary. At the base price, it will be a token sum of five gold. Um, for those of you back home, one gold is like a year's salary for the average individual in the kingdom of Xanax, so yowza. <laughs> um, uh, token sum of five gold, and in the case that any property is damaged during the course of extermination, and the amount of damage done to said property is not covered by the loot discovered, then said monetary amount will then be covered by the individuals who submitted the jobs in the first place to Blowin and Brothers Extermination Company, heretofore known as BNB EC, for the sake of expediency. Um, furthermore, if any new magical devices or weapons are discovered during the course of any extermination projects, Blowin' and Brothers will therefore, or rather, my apologies, BBEC, will be given the copyright to and patents to said weapons and magical items heretofore within the kingdom of Xanax proper, Esquire. <laughs> At this point, someone pulls the stack of papers off the uh, off the top of the podium, um, and uh, yeah, that's not good enough. He spills it all over the stage. Uh, with <laughs> for those of you, size. <laughs> for those of you who don't know, someone just rolled a two <laughs> <laughs> on what I assume was like an acrobatics or something. Strength, strength check. Um, so yeah. Uh, so papers spill all over the, uh, all over the stage. Soen turns, takes a deep breath. <laughs> Looks at Blowen and whispers quietly enough that the individuals in the audience can't hear. This is why I said you should get better stationary. <laughs> Blowing, who is currently in the middle of drinking a flagon of mead, <laughs> doesn't hear sewing. Corey Ow. gets up and helps get the papers. Sewing gives Cora what is halfway a look of acknowledgement and halfway kind of like a death glare. Oh, no. <laughs> as they both pick up these papers, says nothing else. At this point, Toen steps over Soen. <coughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. And resumes his place at the podium. Once the papers are picked up, Cora returns to her seat. Uh, once she returns to the seat, 
telling nods in her direction and appreciation. At this point, Cohen turns to the audience and says, are there any further questions from the body of individuals? One small woman in the back raises her hand. Um, my name is Wilhelma the second. Tellen frowns a little bit at the sound of this and says, "The second, are you descendant of royal lineage?" At which point Wilhelma says. No, it's all one, one name. It's it's one word, Wilhelma the Second. Doan looks very confused, but nods and says, "Please continue." Well, um, my son, Jimothy, was recently taken captive by the goblins that have been besetting our way in this esteemed town of Brackenbeard. Would I be able to apply for the uh, esteemed men and women of your extermination team to save my son? (laughs) Cora nods enthusiastically, yes. Yes! Um, is it is it Muhammad the second a halfling as well? Muhammad the second is a halfling. <laughs> so yeah. I'm just imagining like I, I, this I, small halfling child. She's she's a very small, though rather portly halfling woman, dark skinned. Um, yes. Uh, um, Tone nods and says yes. Our. Um, our extermination team will be on that shortly. If you could please report said uh, activity and work to our Brackenbeard Ranch building for Blowen and Brothers Extermination Company. That would be excellent. Thank you. Um, Wilhelma, who looks a little concerned, sits down, um, and uh, yeah, sits down and looks like she hasn't gotten much sleep lately. Last but not least, as soon as uh, as soon as Wilhelma the second sits down, a uh, a very elderly gnomish woman stands on top of the chair behind her and says, "I have the last." thing for us to discuss before the adjourning of this meeting. Seeing as I want those goblins gone just same as everybody else in this here town. <laughs> um, my name uh, Tone at this point interrupts and says I- I'm sorry what, what business would that be ma'am? Um, for those of any of you in the audience, we will be taking any other questions you have. This this doesn't have to be. At this point, the woman cuts back through. My name 
Shaniqua Big Bottom. Yes. For the record, <coughs> Shaniqua is the palest gnome you've ever seen. <laughs> and that Big Bottom thing is a lie. <laughs> but nevertheless, Shaniqua continues. My name is Shaniqua Big Bottom. And uh, I am the runner of the inn in this here town known as the Thirsty Hog. And I would like to announce that in commemoration of the bravery and excellence of these individuals on this day, all people in town will get 30% off of every cup of mead in the hungry. Did I say a thirsty hog? <laughs> in the thirsty hog. Also, all exterminators get one flagon of mead free every day of the week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did uh did did Clump actually cheer at that? He does. And Tone turns to Clump and says, "Please, no commentating by the exterminators." Clump gives like a very sheepish, apologetic look, but then turns away and starts laughing silently to himself. Cohen looks a little concerned and watches him for a second and then turns back and says, thank you for that irrelevant comment, Miss oh, no. Big Bottom. <laughs> I wish you luck in your endeavors. Are there any other important comments to be made at this time? No. No one, no one in the audience speaks, and Toen nods and says, "Thank you. Um, we will proceed forth as planned, and uh, plan to have small Jimothy back in the region as soon as possible, and promise to kill every goblin in that cave." Yikes. <laughs> Buddy. <laughs> the whole crowd is like silent looking at Toen as he gets this distant look in his eyes. Oh, oh. Sounds like gunshot. <laughs> With that distant look still in his eyes, he leans in at the podium and says, You may all go about your days. <laughs> And turns away from the podium and walks stiffly away. Well. <laughs> uh, Blowing at this point stands up and says, Yeah, so, um, where is the thirsty hog? <laughs> and a number of individuals in the audience begin to lead him away. Um, at this point, someone turns to all of our intrepid exterminators and says, uh, just so you all know, you have to give 
all of your armor back, all of your swords, anything, any dents or damage done to said property will come out of your coming paycheck. Uh, if you could please have it in the company wagon that will be heading back toward Peppercorn within the day, that would be appreciated. Does that include my staff? Cora holds on the staff very tightly. The one we gave you? You want me to do my job? Do you not have a staff of your own? I do. It's just not as nice as this one. You will have the staff back in the wagon by our time of departure, which is approximately looks at the sky, <laughs> calculates the sun's trajectory and position. An hour from now. Thank you. Walks away. Dang it, I wanted to keep this staff. I don't know, I don't really want to deal with the hassle of getting a scratch on this arm. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of really nice. Mm-hmm. At this point, Dench has already left and come back, and he's now in his own clothes. <laughs> his own armor. He just, he just left and came back, and he's just got his, his own just like... Normal. They're kind of like just ratty brown clothes. He doesn't have like leather Dench. armor or anything? He doesn't have leather armor or anything. He just has clothes, but he's no longer twitching. Well, that's good. He's fine. He's good. He comes over and just kind of holds out the clothes that he was wearing and the armor and stuff, and just he's like, guys... Can you show me how to fold this stuff? Oh. oh. Um, right then, that's when Red. Do you guys want to get out of that you stuff? Like, I'm like, like, I mean, like, itchy? I do. Like, well, it was clean. The Marie Kondo way. We're going to cut off at that point, because we've been going for a while. The ladies are not okay with chanting in public spaces. I don't know if mine was recorded, but that's fine. So the question arises, ladies and gentlemen, will our exterminators, first of all, find a place to change, second of all, find Jimothy, and third of all, will they even be able to kill anything? <laughs> Uh, these and more questions remain to be answered in the coming episodes of Lungeons and Flaggins. Will I actually give this staff back? We'll see. Join us next time. As for now, thanks and good night.